Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by Will Murden. How's it going tonight, Will? Really well, man. Really well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm liking that we're in the same room this time. We get to spend a bit of time together and discuss a bit of a down week in college football, but it's always nice seeing you across me, always dressed nicely, uh, just missing the pocket square. But apart from that, looking real sharp, mate. Yeah, we, we did have a bit of a down week in college football, and I, I can't help but feel like it was our bad. Right, yeah. Like and Our lead-in show really set the tone for what was. I agree. So we, we've kind of got to do something about that. We've got to really take that on board and say, hey, fuck it. We're going to be the ones to turn this around and get this wonderful season outside of this week back on track. Exactly. I, I will take some credit, though, for Miami winning. Since I've stopped giving a shit, they've started playing better. So I'm going to take the credit for that one. I want a bit of that, though, too, because I've been really getting around them. Now you're off them. <laughs> I thought this is my opportunity. I got them on the punt, and I'm kind of yeah. getting around them, and they've, they've turned the corner. So, Well, let's just calm down here a little bit. Uh, all right, we've got, again, the kind of usual segments to get to. We'll hit the, uh, the things making waves in college football for this Week 10, uh, we got Lay Down Sally to see who was disappointing. Um, Will wants to talk about the biggest overreaction or not in this case. Uh, some game recaps to get through, helmet stickers, bold predictions, Aussies in action, on the punt, all the usual stuff. Um, so let's jump straight in. Before we do, can you just give us a bit of a rundown about this stout that you've brewed here? What's What's that... That I'm tasting there. There's something in there. I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, don't know. There's there was some cacao nibs, like a little bit of chocolate in there. Okay, maybe that's it. A bit chocolatey. Don't like it or? No, it's just different. It's got me. I'm not a big stout drinker, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's cold enough here to just tip down a couple of stouts. So, I'm not a massive stout operator either. But I thought I'd give it a crack. Now that the weather's turned, I'm like, mm, wish I hadn't brewed 60 liters of stout. <laughs> Sweet. Anyway. Uh, Okay, William, what got you going, careful, in week 10 this week? Okay, so week 10, as we said, a bit of a down week, but I did manage to watch a fair bit of football. And for mine, what really stood out, what I really enjoyed was the defense getting on the board. There there were points being scored at at pivotal moments in, in some of the games. So Virginia Tech, I don't know if you caught that game against Notre Dame, but... A one yard... Yeah, from, from the one yard from line. From the one yard line, uh, Notre Dame up a score at that point, about to punch it in, fumble the ball, put it on the deck, scooped up by Virginia Tech, who run it down the other end of the field. That's a fourteen point swing, and changed the momentum completely of that game. Uh, obviously, all for nothing. Yeah, in the end, didn't do enough for them, but that was huge, and it was it was really cool, and it made it quite an interesting game. Uh, we also had Ahmad Gardner's. Uh, Ahmad Gardner had a 62-yard pick six uh, for, I believe it was Cincinnati. Well, they needed that. And and they did. They really did need it. So that was a huge part of them coming from behind and getting a win. And then uh, Jalen Johnson against Jacob Eason. That one was massive. It was not a good throw. I know he's got that NFL arm, but what are you doing, mate? You, You put that challenge out there to the corner, and I like that he... He kind of baited him into it, ate it all up, and, and got down the end zone. So it was really good to see. I, as a former corner, I enjoy seeing that. A former corner, there you go. Well, I ain't playing much these days. <laughs> yeah, am I? Uh, I think for me, SMU and Memphis going off. I, you know, 
caught a bit of that game. Obviously, a massive shootout, but they had game day, and uh, you know, strange things have happened where game day kind of goes backwards and nothing really exciting happens. Or that game kind of fizzles, ends up in a blowout. That didn't happen. No, and Bill Street was going off. Yeah, like, oh. in, in game day, that looked good fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was really really cool. Uh, I mean, that's about it for me. But I also did like that this season took some shape this week. I know they talk about in test matches when like they say, oh, that session, the game progressed and, and it got to a stage where it was poised really nicely. And I think that's how the season sits at the moment. Yeah, it was a down week, but we just got a chance to take our breath after probably four or five consistent weeks of big matchups and obviously four or five to come just yet. But this gave us a little bit of chance to pause and breathe. And, and uh, yeah, I just feel like the season is sitting in a really good spot and we're going to finish with a flurry. See, that's what you liked, but that's my laydown Sally of the week. Oh. <laughs> I was not about that. You know I'm the chaos guy. You I, are a I chaos like guy. I like to see that. And this week we had chalk in all bar one match for the top 25. So favourites won in every game except App State. They were more than two touchdown favourite. They got upset by Georgia Southern. But everyone else won. The higher-ranked teams won in all of their games except for the two uh, where they were favourites and yeah. they got the job done. So not a whole heap of surprises, at least not uh, in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, still gave us a, a bit of a chance to just relax a little bit, which was okay for me. I was at a wedding, so you know, I'd, I had to kind of scrub through a lot of these games after the fact. So uh, for me, Florida State and... I'm always extremely critical of Florida State being a Miami fan. Uh, so, But this week and this weekend in particular, their program took a really, really bad turn to the point where Slick Willie Taggart has actually been removed as the head coach of the football program, effective immediately. Uh, this is a program that moved from a long stint with Bobby Bowden into a relatively long stint with Jimbo Fisher. And then Willie Taggart came on board and he's lasted all of a year and a bit. Yeah, what were they, like 40 years without having a head coaching search? Yeah. And now they're going for another one in the space of two years? Yeah. Crazy. Um, so the boosters have ponied up $17 million to pay 17 for the... million. Right, to pay for the buyout, which is huge. Uh, and You think that's big? You should see my buyout on this show. <laughs> If you want to get rid of me and replace me with someone else... It ain't 17 million, mate, let me tell you. It's a lot more. I think there's a couple of like Japanese yen you can probably pick up on the way out. And I would gleefully accept that. <laughs> okay. Um, but they're paying him 17 million to not coach the football team anymore, which means they're now going to have to turn around and find a coach. And for those... Obviously, all the names are you know being thrown around at the moment uh, and... We will talk a little bit about that in a second. Yeah, as well, I mean, this, this is great flow that we've got going on. We're yeah, just we're rolling better, segments place. into each other. Better place, we're in a better place. My biggest overreaction for this weekend that I'm throwing out there and, and we're picking a side on is Florida State, the job. This is going to be the most desirable job that's going to become available in college football this year. There's, there's normally one that pops up every year of a, a real blue chipper, and I believe Florida State is that program. And the headline out there is that this is the most desirable job. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I could see why people would say that. You're obviously in a recruiting hotbed. You're in a big 
institution that values success and values winning clearly because they like they pulled the money together to remove someone that they didn't want after one and a bit years. They don't think he's the right guy, so they've moved him. That creates two situations. It creates, on one hand, the program or the school and the athletics department and the boosters and whoever else is involved in the decision-making process around head football coaches doesn't have time for people that aren't doing a good job and aren't putting results on the field, which is a good thing. I mean, it's better that than sitting with five years of Willie Taggart hoping that he's going to turn the corner. But on the other hand, it doesn't create a lot of trust because he didn't get the full opportunity to instill his culture, recruit his classes, get the players in that he wanted, and then get a chance to execute. We are in a world now where instant gratification is not just limited to the teenagers of the foot of football and you know the nation it is now a situation whereby coaches are expected to win they're expected to win and turn their programs around within 12 months and if they're not they're not doing a good job so that would be the thing that i think would give coaches pause is how much trust and how much leeway are they going to be afforded to actually turn that program around uh I don't think it's going to be the most desirable because I think USC is going to come open. And to me, I think over on the West Coast, there's an opportunity for USC to, to get large again and really control that West Coast, bring relevance back to the Pac-12 and make a stand nationally, turn the image around for that that school and certainly the Pac-12. And USC doing good things is good for college football. So I think that one coming open. There are different institutions as well. Private school, uh, don't have necessarily the money that the big state schools are going to have, although they're not short of a dollar. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think USC is far more attractive than yeah. the Florida State one. Okay, that's interesting. And I kind of see the other side of that whole debate around not having enough time because I think it's unlikely that whoever they get in, they push the ripcord on short again. Like, then they're not going to go another 18 months. I think they're now backing themselves in to say, whoever we pick next time, we've got to go the full cycle. We've got to give them the full five years and we need to hope that they turn the corner sometime. Otherwise, it's just a complete debacle. And that's where you start seeing ADs go, like the, the whole thing, which could still be on the table here. Let's, let's not rule any of that out. But this is normally the first step, right? They're saving their job. Things aren't going well, so they have to make a change. And that's what they do. And now they're going to be tied to this one. So you're going to have a lot more security, I would have thought, because they've been through this. And now the bar's a lot lower. The bar has been lowered by Willie Taggart, but you can kind of continue on and you've got probably the, the 18 months of grace to say, well, this is the shit that I inherited and it's going to take me a little bit of while to clean up. And then you can start the show there. So I, I, I kind of see both sides of that one. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think uh, USC is probably going to come open, and for me, that's the more prestigious job. I think the fact that UCLA are, are still not great uh, offers a real opportunity in another hotbed of recruits to, to, to get that talent in and to turn things around and to really, really be a dominant program. I mean, yes, the ACC is down, but you've still got to compete with Clemson, where USC you don't have a Clemson that you're dealing with at the moment. Like Utah are a very good football team, Oregon are a good football team, but they're not they're not Clemson and they're up at the moment and other teams will be up and down, but you don't have that to worry about. And that would kind of factor into things, I guess, a little bit. So 
for mine, yeah, I'm with you. Those two seem to be the blue chippers that are going to come around. I know before we were on the show, we said maybe Notre Dame, and that's another one. A lot of prestige around that school and a lot of history there. So that's one to keep an eye on. But yeah, I guess I'm, I'd be leaning more USA, but obviously they're, they're going to have a top caliber list of candidates to be able to pick from. Yeah, I don't know, like this top list and top caliber kind of a few years ago i remember when justin fuente uh who was the other one that was kicking around then bronco mendenhall there was another one that moved i know i'm staying very acc there but there was a few big names oh scott frost i suppose as well they kind of all moved at the same time matt campbell was the big name last year and he stayed put and now it's like, well, and, and you were talking about earlier about Florida State being a team that, that they'll have a longer leash and there's less pressure. But actually, if anything, it creates a bit more pressure because they've blown it once. They can't blow it again. And who do you get in? And, you know, there's every name under the sun has been thrown around, whether it's Bob Stoops or Mark Stoops or Mike Stoops or one of the Stoops um, has been mentioned. You've got Leach at Washington State's name was thrown in. Urban Meyer, of course, but I don't know that he's going to want to dive into a division with Clemson, which is what you said. On top of that, he'd be worth, what, $8 million a year well, probably. He's, and he's going to be mentioned in every open position that falls, and it could right. be like bloody Florida Atlantic comes open because Lane moves on, and then, oh, yeah, that's what we want. That's what everyone wants. They yeah, want a national yeah. championship caliber coach. Yeah. It's unlikely to see that, but who knows? Um, so it'll be... And, and I think it's funny now because the, the interesting part of this is that part of the reason that Jimbo left, Jimbo Fisher, was that Florida State wouldn't come up with the money that he wanted to run his program how he wanted to. So they've... And now, ironically enough, they're paying $17 million for a guy to not coach. And I feel like if Jimbo Fisher was there, he'd be like, you could have just given that money to the football program, we would have been sweet. But... So a lot more news uh, to to come out of this space and, and that uh, that coaching choice and that search for that next head man for the Seminoles will take place and happen over the next few weeks. But there's a lot of long time to go here. It couldn't it could be to the end of the season, particularly if they pull a guy who's currently coaching. Uh, they can't complete those negotiations officially until the season's over. So there's still a long way to go um, and we'll keep you updated on all things Florida State because as much as I dislike them, when they're better, the ACC's better. When the ACC's better, college football's better. So Yeah, we better dust off our resumes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty what, one line, name and address. Yeah, so we don't have a lot to it, but... We put a photo up there. I think that would... Same as Willie Taggart, I suppose. So. <laughs> Precisely. And we take the one wage between them. <laughs> exactly. Down the middle. Exactly. All right, let's get into game recaps for week 10. We're going to start in a bit of a different place here. We're going to start in the American. We never normally do this, but there was a few interesting games in this particular conference. SMU and Memphis kicked it off. They were the big headliner. SMU get over this one. Uh, sorry, SMU lose this one to Memphis, 54-48. to 48. It was a shootout in Tennessee between two pretty good teams. Uh, the key note about this one was Reggie Robeson missing the game for the Mustangs at receiver. He was a big out. But it wasn't that wasn't the issue. It was the defense. SMU's defense could not get off the field. 
Memphis continue to convert third and 17, third and 14, third and a million, fourth and whatever. And it was just a really frustrating end um, for them because I kind of was rooting for SMU. I had them in my corner and, and I picked them to win the game. And it felt like SMU was scoring every time they went got on the field offensively. They just couldn't stop anyone. And DeMonte Coxie and Antonio Gibson were fantastic for the Tigers. And they get away with a high-scoring, entertaining, defenseless win. Yeah, it was an absolute cracker of a match. Right up my alley. I love this shit. And you were spot on in those third and long situations just being an absolute killer for the Mustangs. And it's so deflating when oh. when you have the big play to put them behind the sticks and then you get an incomplete pass. You're like, we've got them on toast here. And then to give it up. And it would happen just consistently they would get them into these third and long situations and then they would consistently be able to convert on them and then you know even from those spots they were finding ways to go third and 20 and then they would turn it into a 60 yard score on the back of that off off of a poor tackling or a bad read so it was yeah it was one of those ones where you're just like give me more keep it going yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's keep playing here this is fun so I, I feel bad because the Mustangs were the undefeated one here we want that Cinderella story the darling to keep rolling and, and we don't have it now so that they fall to 8-1 too but the American as a whole is really good these oh, two teams absolutely. are great Cincinnati is excellent they've, they've got eh. they're pretty good we'll get to them in a sec <laughs> But like they've got a whole heap of talent, and I feel like as a conference, especially up the top, they've taken a step forward this year, and and they've really elevated their game. So I've been quite impressed. Okay, so a really good win for the Tigers. Uh, Mike Norvell does a really really good job for them, and he appears to be one of those young coaches. I say young, good up and coming coaches that will. Uh, get a Guernsey next year somewhere destined for bigger things other games in the American Navy continue their winning ways and actually lead in the West uh, they beat UConn 56 to 10 Cincinnati need 18 points in the last quarter to get over a team that hasn't won in conference yet this year in East Carolina they do that 46 to 43 so Bit of a nail-biter there for Cincinnati. But again, you know, every year in college football, you have at least one of these games where things don't go your way. You you play down, you play poorly, and you just have to win ugly or not playing your best at least. And Cincinnati did that. Um, so good for them. Good for James Smith, your boy. Uh, UCF get over Houston 44-29. to And whilst UCF aren't ranked and they've dropped two games this year, they're still a really good ball club as well. And I don't want to throw them away as a quality team. Tulane um, beat Tulsa 38-26. to As we jump across into the Power 5, let's start in the SEC. Uh, let's go with the probably the biggest matchup of the weekend, and that was two top 10 ranked teams. Georgia, 24, get over the top of Florida, 17. From my end, gee, that Georgia offensive line was good. This Florida pass rush came in, you know, highest ranked in the SEC in terms of sacks, uh, and they just couldn't get anywhere near Jake from. He was standing back there for days and days and days, uh, and eventually got enough quality ball out to the likes of Lawrence Cager uh, and 
and he was pretty good. I said, show me something from, show me something. And he and he kind of did. So that was really, really good. They were, wow, they were good on third down as well. So an impressive job for the uh, Georgia offense. A uh, little bit of a disappointing outing for Florida. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this one played out exactly as both of us predicted. Yeah, we did actually, like didn't a, we? That was we, gross. We both yeah. said that Georgia would win by one score in a bit of an affair like this Florida one. Florida so. won't be able to run the ball. Correct. Kyle yeah. Trask will throw a lot of balls that should get intercepted but don't somehow. <laughs> and Georgia would try and establish the run and, and then kind of grind their way and, and play their football. And I mean, credit to Florida's defense. They, they did stand up in the trenches, especially on the run. They did contain DeAndre Swift. They, they weren't able to run the ball like they would have liked to. But you're right, Jake Fromm did have time and he really put his pros- prospects up a level on the back of this effort because it was kind of a pro-style outing and he showed that he can have full command of the offense and do what's needed to be done to win a game like that. So I think he was really impressive and that's not going to hurt his stock at all uh, moving forward. Florida, on the other hand, it's a rough year for them now. I mean, they've they've... They've got a good team. They, they had the injury to their marquee quarterback. Uh, Kyle Trask has stepped in and been better, re- better or, or really impressive. I mean, I'm still kind of open on Felipe Franks. I was hoping we could see more from this year, and we're just not going to know now until yeah. next year. But Florida are a, a good team without being great. And they've had a couple of bad losses now, a couple of tight games. You want to be on the right side of those ones, and sometimes you're just not. And, and that's what they've seen now. So it looks like Georgia own the East and, and they're going to roll on in in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it was it was put on Kyle Trask to go and try and win this game because they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Freddie Swain did a good job in the, in the second half. Kyle Pitts is developing into a really nice tight end for the Gators. And I think... Lastly, as well, gee, some really questionable refereeing decisions uh, that helped Georgia get on the board first. The old old bounce pass. Oh, God, that wasn't good. Um, But, I mean, and to to Georgia's credit as well, they've been copping a bit of heat recently as well. Uh, The loss to South Carolina, then coming out really flat against Kentucky, they exercised some of those demons on offense. So, Georgia move on. Are they a college football playoff team, or is this just merely a good... SEC team and they're in the next rung down this year I think a good SEC team and college playoff team almost go hand in hand I mean they they are probably not as good as they were last year and, and the last couple of years from what we've seen they, they should be because I've got Jake from now at his peak like we should be getting the best out of him and I think we are but some of the weapons around him aren't getting it done they don't have as much coming out of the backfield it's DeAndre Swift and then you know a a bit of a muddle where previously they've had a three-headed dog in the backfield where where it's been Nick Chubb Sony Michelle uh, Holyfield yeah Elijah Holyfield they've had a whole heap of boys that have been rotating through there and are just absolute (laughs) absolute nightmares where this year it feels to be all on Swift and not much outside of that and the receivers are Maybe not as dynamic as, as what we've seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Mirko Hardman last year really stretched the field for them. He was that real burner type, maker, and they just don't yeah. have that guy this year to Correct. take the top off the defense. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, they're certainly going to be in the, the running for it, but I expect 
a loss in the SEC championship game to tank their hopes. Yeah. Because they're going to be the underdog against Alabama or LSU. LSU yeah. Whichever of those two teams it is, they're going to be an underdog. They've got a shot at it. They've got a much better chance than most because they need to win their way through there, which is still going to be tough, but you'd think that they would. And then they've got a, a fighting chance for that that they've shown in previous years again, in matchups against Alabama. They've been one play away from. So if, if they can get to that spot again and it fall their way, hey, maybe this is their year. It's just at the moment doesn't feel like it. Yep, I agree. Uh, in other games in the SEC, feel free to stop me at any stage, but nothing to write too much home about. Auburn 20 beat Old Miss 14. South Carolina get over Vandy 24-7. Mississippi State continue. Arkansas's really bad, bad season. I think they've got some ridiculous losing streak now, like 17 SEC games in a row or That's something. Um, they lose that one 54-24. Tennessee and Texas A&M also had wins. Moving along into the Big 12, Baylor squeaked past West Virginia on a short week, 17-14. Anything to worry about from Baylor, or was that just that wobbly one that they had to have? I was expecting it to be a little bit dodgy here, but... They got the win. That's what they needed to do. I still think that they're not as good as their record indicates and that they've got the meat of their schedule to come up. So Texas, Oklahoma, on the if, if they can get it done there, yeah, great. But that one didn't feel with a whole lot of confidence at home against a pretty average West Virginia side. Uh, go the Bears. I'm getting all aboard them. I mean, obviously coming up, they've got TCU uh, this weekend. Uh, they've got Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas to finish. So it's not exactly a, a crazy difficult finish to the year, especially with how down TCU has been. Um, but Oklahoma and Texas will provide a fair challenge. So T- we'll see. TCU will knock them off this week. Mm-hmm. Throwing that out there. Righto. Uh, in the Governor's Cup, Kansas State really make a meal of Kansas. Uh, and that one happens 38 to 10. One of us saw that coming. I did not see that coming. Uh, they, yeah, they don't have the letdown problem that I thought they would have. I did hear a funny comment somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But Kansas State have now won six games in Lawrence. That is the same amount that Kansas has won in Lawrence <laughs> in the last however many years, which is pretty sad but okay so we're talking like over the last six years or 12 years yeah, yeah. jesus <laughs> it's not good that is not good <laughs> um oklahoma state overcome the loss of tylen wallace which i know you messaged me about and you're like oh god we're dust here just tears no it was just tears like i feel bad for the kid yeah so i mean take us through it. what happened so non-contact injury during, at practice during the week. I think it was Wednesday practice. So like a walkthrough or so? Or no, it might have been like uh, just running routes. Yeah, yeah. Going up, coming down. One of those awkward landing ones. And those non-contact ones are always a little bit dicey. Like you hear about them and, and it's never good. Uh, so then in for scans on Thursday and you knew that wasn't going to be good. Back inconclusive. And like, mm, mm. This isn't good. And then Friday, sure enough, came back. Had torn the ACL, so he'll be set for 12 months on the sideline. Uh, may have played his last snap for Oklahoma State, so he is only a junior, but was projected to go in the first round of the, the draft. This may dent his stock as well, so that's kind of what 
hurts on a human level. We, we could be looking at potentially millions of dollars out the window for him. Yeah. He can, he'll have an opportunity to win it back, but it's not what you want to be doing, you know? <laughs> so yeah. there's also a chance that he comes back. Uh, so who knows what's going to play out there but you, you you just don't like to see this for these kids um, I mean it's not the death sentence that perhaps once was in no, terms of the ACL not. and we absolutely saw what's not. his face get drafted last year and go on and become a really good pass rusher in the NFL after a whole well, injuries and then some questionable behaviour problems as it, well it's certainly much better these days and you see dudes like Cooper Cup lighting up the NFL mm. this year and, and he was like nine months removed from his or something crazy so yeah. they've, they've certainly taken that to another level I think it's a better one to have than the Achilles I think you, yeah. you lose a lot of power from the old Achilles tear uh, and the patella tendon is also one that you don't want to be fucking around with uh, either so it's he's some sort of medical professional now yeah well I, I brush up on these injuries because <laughs> you're due to have one because you're old is no, that what certainly not that <laughs> but uh, it's yeah I don't know you, you try and get an edge wherever you can in the gambling world <laughs> oh god so you like to know what's happening finger on the pulse uh, okay so coming back full circle Oklahoma State beat TCU 34 to 27 despite the loss of Tylen Wallace Chuba Hubbard was that guy again for the pokes he puts up over 200 yards uh, which is absolutely nuts. Well, and to be fair, he was contained most of the day. He wasn't. He was. He had a 92-yard <laughs> run and a 68-yard run. Yeah, yeah. So you take those two out. I mean, what did he did he have the 30 carries or something? Yeah, I feel like a... it was less. Like they, they weren't getting him the ball as much. He had something like he had less than 40 yards going into the half. Mm. And then he just exploded. And that's all he needs. Like, it's, yeah. it's one step, there's a gap there, and then he's just a sprinter. And you just kind of laugh because you're like, you ain't catching. Yeah, and it's funny. You look at running backs. Running backs build games differently. Zach Moss, if he's having 200 yards, he's not busting the field open like that. He's going to truck he's you ca- for nine yards exactly of carry. Like he's carrying, like, six dudes, <laughs> six yards a whole bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, Barry Sanders was a bit the same though in the NFL. Like he would run backwards for seven plays and then he would just make the entire defense miss for a 90-yard touchdown. Fun little stat for you. Of the last four running backs to win the Heisman, uh, Chuba now has more yardage uh, at the same point in the season than three of the four. By, by quite a wide margin too. Who was the fourth? Uh, well, uh, that did. I think it might have been Ron Dane. Oh, yeah. That he went off and yeah. won it. But uh, all the others that have won them, he's well ahead in terms of yards and touchdowns. So are you saying he's in the Heisman conversation? Well, I'm saying he's probably not, but should be. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think he's got more of a case than Chase Young. Or Jonathan Taylor. Or Jonathan Taylor. Um, but hey it's a popularity contest anyway uh, that takes us through the Big 12 a little bit of a quieter slate this week uh, in the Pac-12 Oregon overcome a slow start against USC to win 56-24 Keaton Slovis turned the ball over four times as the Ducks scored on offense defense and on teams as well uh, Oregon didn't dominate on the ground as I thought they probably would, and CJ Vidal got a bit nicked up, I think. Travis Dye managed to get some timely yards. 
uh, and get Oregon cruising again in the right direction, 56 to 24. Those injuries are starting to really take their toll on the Trojans. Yeah, well, USC jumped, jumped them in this Yeah, they did, uh, yeah. About 10 to nothing think, yeah. uh, out the gate. And I think they had that at quarter time. Yeah. And then... Oregon put on four touchdowns in the second quarter. Absolutely. It was just lights out from there. Yeah. They started to flex their muscle. I know early on was, was when I was dialed into it. And I was a little bit concerned. Herbert had that bad interception. interception yeah. It's kind of got a fair bit of airtime and didn't look good. But then from that moment on, he really took it to another level and, and looked really, really good, looked the part. And they just lit him up. They, they showed that they're a much better program at the moment. Their team is well-balanced, both sides of the ball. And they're yeah. a real challenger for the playoff this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Utah come from behind to beat Washington. This was a weird game. You, I felt Washington was sort of in control. They And Utah got in a hole early as well. But Jacob Eason started off okay and then it went to pieces for him as he fumbled badly and a couple of bad interceptions in in Washington, uh, sorry, in Utah Territory, which was just so bad. Uh, Zach Moss was great as usual. Huntley was efficient, but again, I'm, he's not setting the world on fire for me. I don't think he did anything that spectacular. He doesn't need to. He plays behind a really, really good defense. Washington struggled to run the ball at all in the second half, um, but that win gets the Utes clear in the Pac-12 South and they appear to be cruising to another championship game. Another fun little fact, Chris Peterson's first loss after a bye ever. He was 18-0 coming into that game. what am I doing betting against that? Yeah, I don't know. Silly. Nailed it. (laughs) Take that to the bank. Uh, I think you're a bit harsh on Tyler Huntley there. He was good. Yeah, like nineteen to twenty-four for two hundred and eighty-four yards. Yeah, this wasn't dink and dunk. Like it wasn't just checkdowns. He, he got a lot fair bit of that late, uh, but they needed it late. Yeah, it's not as if the game was done and he was running up the score. That was when they needed it, and I think that's been his calling card all year. Is when the game's on the line, when he needs to make a play, he's getting it done, and and he's been super efficient in that. So I really, really like this Utah team. They're, they're one of my favorites all year. In that they're built around Zach Moss, who's a great running back to watch. And then Huntley just doesn't let you down. I think maybe because I'm a Chicago Bears fan and Mitch Trubisky does on the reg, having a guy like Huntley is just brilliant. Because <laughs> he hits targets. He doesn't. Mate, I've followed James Winston. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Knows how to turn a ball over. Everyone loves mixing their uppers and downers, right? Oh, God. <laughs> what? Yeah, he is the ultimate marijuana heroin combination yeah all right uh ucla keep rolling against colorado 31 to 14 what do you make of uh the bruins and are they for real or have they just hit teams at the right time or what's going on there is this something they can build on towards next year after losing their first five or going one and five or something to start the season they've now won three on the bounce and looking like a real threat not only are they handling Colorado they're beating them comfortably yeah oh and this is what I was expecting yeah from right the start right yeah 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 it, it happened yeah. last year as well yeah and last year was the first year of Chip Kelly so you're kind of like it's going to take a bit of adjustment and then it clicked and you're like now they're going to roll and this is what we're going to see this year yeah and then we got the same shit to start the year like they were really bad to start the year not just bad really bad yeah well I mean Dorian Thompson Robinson looked really average to start the year all of a sudden him and Josh Kelly look 
like they've been playing together forever, look comfortable in that backfield together, and they look smooth. Yeah, and it's still a young team. Like they were oh, super absolutely. young last yeah, year. They, they, were, they were all freshmen, sophomores, and now they're all sophomore juniors. So this is an interesting squad to keep an eye on. And I know off the top of the show, we kind of mentioned USC are the ones out west, but UCLA have their coach they, they've got their man in chip kelly who we were talking about maybe he's on the hot side. wait well yeah i was i was that that start that they had i was like but they didn't they didn't look likely no, either yeah, they exactly. looked terrible look it wasn't pathetic. just like but now they're, they're looking really good and if they can yeah. keep this going this will be huge for them that they they obviously need to get themselves into a bowl game and build on that because they're playing some exciting football that's good. Go the Bruins. I'd, I'd like to see them continue yeah, to And you look good in powder blue too, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Oregon State. Go on. They beat Arizona 56-38. to 38. That is a beat down. The Beavers need two more wins to go bowling. I so hope they do because Oregon State have been maybe one of the worst... Uh, the worst Power 5 teams for a long, long time. And I think... I love that about college football. I love when a team like this comes from the depths and even gets to a bowl game. That's a massive win for them, and I hope they do. In order to do that, though, they have Washington, uh, Arizona State, Washington State, and Oregon in the Civil War to finish the year. They need two of those to go bowling. Is that doable for the Beavs? It's unlikely. They're, <sighs> they're going to be significant underdogs in each and every one of those matchups, I would expect. I hope so. I mean, I was on it early, this this whole opportunity that they had, but they let, one, they let one slip. Uh, where was it? I can't remember. Maybe Hawaii early on will kill you, and then the Stanford one. Those are games that they need to win to, to get yeah. this one. And now they've backed themselves into a hole. Maybe one of them. Maybe one of them. Well, Washington State, I mean, I know that's up in... Uh, Woman. Up in Pullman, yeah. So that's going to be not an easy road trip, but certainly doable because Washington State haven't won in conference yet this year. Arizona State have slid off a cliff a little bit and aren't scoring as much as you would hope. That offensive line sucks. So I could actually see them, and they host Arizona State, so I could see them. I don't think they'll beat Washington. I don't think they'll beat Oregon. So it has to be those two. Maybe. Could happen. Okay. Uh, Big Ten time. Michigan beat Maryland 38-7. Purdue wins over Nebraska 31-27, which is not good because now Nebraska needs two wins against Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa to go bowling. That is not a good year two for Scott Frost. I expected them to be competitive this year. They are going to struggle to get into a bowl game at all. Speaking of uncompetitive, last year's Big Ten West Championship no, champion, sorry, Northwestern scored just three points against Indiana, and they uh, went down 34-3. to They haven't won in conference yet in the Big Ten. So disappointing for them. Rutgers go down this time to Illinois, 38-10. to Anything to talk about in Big Ten land? Oh, Northwestern must be a tough gig because it's a big oh. journalist school, right? Yeah. So when you're shit, there are so many good writers who would just be <laughs> crucifying you, whether it be uh, professional blogs, Facebook posts, whatever it is. The articulated quali- immaculately. Exactly, exactly right. The quality of sledging that you are copying <laughs> is through the roof. So it's, it's not a great spot for the old Wildcats at the minute. That offense is an abortion. I think their highest score this in the Big Ten this year is 15 points. Ouch. 
Uh, in the ACC, Notre Dame, which we mentioned a little bit earlier, take the lead with 30 seconds to go to get over the top of Virginia Tech, 21-20. to 20. Wake Forest destroy NC State, 44-10. BC completely crush Syracuse, 58-27. Anything from those three that you need to address? No, not at all, mate. Not at all. Continuing the ACC, Pitt beat Georgia Tech, 20-10. to 10. I'm sure you don't want to talk about that one. Virginia get past UNC 38 to 31 and Miami beat FSU 27 to 10. I'll stay I'll stay really quick on this one, but Cam Akers was contained. The Canes had 9 sacks on defense and Bubba Bolden, the Miami safety, didn't ankle while celebrating an interception. That's yeah, story you say. That's how well we're going. Although Hey, we're still in the hunt for the coaster, which is gross, but so is everyone. we could go to the Orange Bowl. Who would have thought? All right, that takes us through the game recaps. Any other games that I have missed? You did mention that Appalachian State lost to Georgia Southern. They did, so there's another undefeated who is no more. And I think they've beaten them in back-to-back seasons as well. Yeah, they're uh, a tough out, Georgia uh, Southern. That, that un- triple option. Exactly right. That unconventional off- offense will get you. And it did. All right, let's get into helmet sticker time. Take us through the top performers this weekend. Okay, helmet stickers. So some impressive efforts this week. Uh, The first one I'm going to mention is Holden Ehlers at ECU. He was uh, really big for them. So they were huge underdogs in this matchup. And he kind of he's not one that you mention a lot in here. I remember ECU used to have those really prolific offenses, uh, not so much this year. So he went for 535 yards through the air. Not good for a Cincinnati defense that's supposed to be quite scary. Wasn't for him. So he gets himself a sticker even though they lost. Uh, we had Jordan Love at Utah State who has had a lot of raps on him this year. Probably, he went for the 400 yards, but he did turn the ball over three times in their loss. So I don't know how I'm feeling about his sticker. If I am, it's kind of like, look after the ball a bit better sticker. (laughs) If if that's a thing we can be handing out. Uh, Bryce Perkins at Virginia was good. Uh, He was 30 of 39 for 378 yards and three touchdowns. I think he had two on the ground as well. What a beast. Uh, AJ Dillon, my boy, Boston College. Oh, I am spewing I didn't put money on them because I look at them like they're, they're my team they've been making me money this year and then I went, a, I went on them against Clemson and that I think kind of turned me off a little bit but that's that's not fair they're, they're better against the poorer teams he had 35 carries feed him the ball 242 yards and three touchdowns that's awesome uh, Kylan Hill at Mississippi State had 21 carries for 234 yards and three touchdowns um, a boy, Chuba Hubbard, who we mentioned, 20 carries. We've got to stop mentioning him, dude. We know he's a well, weapon. He needs to stop going over 200 yards. It's <laughs> insane. Uh, Isaiah Spiller's one we haven't mentioned at Texas A&M. So we haven't had, mentioned anyone at Texas A&M except for Kellen Mond. Yeah, and he had 20 carries for 217 yards and three touchdowns as well. So that's huge. Uh, catching the balls out of East Carolina was CJ Johnson. He had 12 catches for 283 yards uh, and a touchdown. <laughs> so that's... Absolutely insane. Uh, Diami Brown at North Carolina uh, in their big one had the six catches for 202 yards and three touchdowns. So that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I don't know how you, you do that. Average of 33.7. That's, that's a lot of yards. That's a lot of chunk play. <laughs> it is, isn't it? 
not too much from me. Again, massive homer pick by me, and I do apologize in advance. I'm going to say Greg Rousseau at Miami, who had four sacks uh, against Florida State. is a pretty decent day out, I think. Yeah, probably fair. <laughs> All right, uh, let's continue moving this beast along. Uh, Aussies in action, your favourite segment. We'll take us through it. Absolutely, Australia's favourite segment. So we had some really, really good efforts this week and we're continuing to do really well. Max Duffy up the top again. Well, just continues to lead the way for the Aussie boys. But a few others this week really impressed. So we had some great Aussie matchups, like head-to-head matchups. <laughs> We had uh, FAU and Western Kentucky. So Matt Hayball at FAU, they got the win 35 to 24. He had five punts and an average of 50 yards per with an eight-yard run to secure a first down in that two. Good. Awesome. Uh, only to be outdone through the air, our player of the week, John Haggerty at Western Kentucky. Even though they went down, he had the five punts and an average of 51.4. That's huge. That is a big, big day. Bominant. Uh, then we also had Rutgers and Illinois going head-to-head in their Big Ten matchup. So Adam Corsak at Rutgers uh, had six punts for 46.7. He's been great again this year. And Blake Hayes, the Illinois punter, had five at an average of 45.4. Really, really good. And last but not least, we had Cody Grace, Arkansas State, the Your weapon. boy. <laughs> Uh, they had a huge win, 48-41, to 41, and he had a big part to do in that. So he had five punts at an average of 47.8, which is elite. But on top of that, he also had himself an 18-yard run. And I haven't seen it, but I've got a picture in my head of how it plays <laughs> out, and it doesn't end well for any motherfucker trying to stop him. Uh, I agree. I just assume it's a giant human being storming down the field, trucking dudes. Actually, I've kind of got a, a picture of Nelson from The Simpsons just holding Bar out in front of him. I got a little bit of like, I believe that belongs to Mr. Gilmore (laughs) running down. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Good stuff by the Aussie boys and they continue to do all the right things in the punting game. All right, bold prediction time. And you might notice that this sounds fractionally different because we had some production issues. You would think that Will, after doing this for nigh on two years, would have himself organized. But apparently that is not the case. And we are having to finish this from a distance. We so, are. This is new for us. This is new for us. Uh, it's it's a bit of a mess at the moment. And I blame Will 100% solely. It is yeah, all his fault. That's fair. And I feel like we were having a strong episode too. We were. So you've fucked it. But that's okay. We'll push on. Uh, it is bold prediction time. So let's get to it. We'll start with you, Will. Uh, I got my bold prediction correct. That is fucking bullshit. Surely not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I said, are you going to lose sometime? And I was saying two out of three of the unbeatens being SMU, Baylor, and App State would lose. Uh, and two of the three did. You were not confident on that either. Well, I'm not confident. Like, I was confident, but it just it wasn't very exciting. Like, it wasn't a very fun one, and it was kind of part of the theme of our pretty shitty episode. So... It's one of those ones where, yeah, I nailed it, but I'm not gloating. I'm not all up and about. It was kind of like, it, I guess it just speaks to the fact that in college football, you, you're going to see these upsets. And, and that's the point that I'm trying to get across. And I think I've delivered that. I am just disappointed overall, mainly in the fact that we're still doing this remotely after starting so strong, spending some good time together. But anyway, uh, 
Well, well done to you. I said that Michael Pittman would go for less than 25 yards. He, for uh, the USC Trojans, that receiver, he did go for over 25 yards, but only just. He had like eight receptions for about 34 or 39 or something. So he didn't exactly blow it out the water. Uh, and Jake from Toledo fourth quarter touchdown drive to win the game or a fourth quarter drive to win the game. He didn't do that. I mean, he sort of did. He threw that um, deep out to Eli Wolf, I think, to kind of ice the game, but he certainly wasn't a drive to go and win it. So, uh, no, I missed again. Yeah, you were close, though. I feel like you're getting closer. I'm getting closer. I'll have to just dial down the boldness like you and then, uh, you know, maybe no, I'll don't, get don't across the it. line. Then it's, then it's a hollow, hollow victory. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I don't know if you had any victories on the punt, but let's do that to finish as well. Did you make us any money? I did this week. So, Yay. so we bounced back. It's um, all coming up Millhouse. Well, not a huge amount of money, but uh, we did make money, which is promising. So I, I jagged two of the three this week. Uh, the one that I missed out on was Arizona over Oregon State. That was a shit call. It was a shit call, but uh, if uh, memory serves me correctly, you were against all three of them, so that puts you at one of three and me at two of three. So we made money, which is good, but I'm disappointed because Arizona are not good and they're not someone you should rely on for your your betting. So (laughs) I think I was just kind of relying on Oregon State to revert to their pumpkin-ish self, but they're not that. They're better than that, and I'm I'm happy for the Beavers, but... It, it's cost me a little bit. So I did have uh, on the other side of that Kansas who I expected to kind of go the way of Cinderella or however that story goes and be, <laughs> be shit out. And they were. Kansas State proved that they are the better football team and have been for quite some time. So they won comfortably and covered the five points. And then I had Utah. And that so, one had me nervous. So are you saying that uh, Utah and Kansas State are the ugly stepsisters? Is that how that was kind of working no, out? No, it was, it was the pumpkin reference again, so ah, revert, okay. reverting so, back. So they were turned into a sweet carriage, and now they're a pumpkin. I get it. I get it. Thanks cool. for explaining that to me. Cool. Dude, we can't do this apart. This is just deteriorating rapidly. I think this is funny. I think people will enjoy it. I, I don't. As we talk, As we talk about nursery rhymes and bloody fairy tales to finish Big the part show. of my life now <laughs> i thought you just read grug and watched dora the explorer yeah that, isn't anyway. that a nursery rhyme <laughs> grug the nursery rhyme all right well that does bring us to the end of this week 10 recap we look forward to a bigger slate of games next weekend which will be fantastic highlighted uh, by the game of the year so far which is Campbell fighting camels. Who are they playing this week? It is not the fighting camels, my friend. It is the Alabama LSU matchup. Ah, Much anticipated. Okay. Uh, Well, yes, we will watch that with great intent, no doubt. Uh, But in terms of things you can do for us, and we do thank the listeners a lot, but please make sure that you do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB down under. We're getting a lot more action in those two particular social media spaces, which is fantastic. Keep the conversations coming. Uh, keep the comments coming. Keep the abuse coming. I mean, abuse for Will. Uh, it's more of a friendly critique for me, I think, but we enjoy it either way. Uh, make sure that you do subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. 
uh, all those other things. And that brings us to the end of week 10. And I would say goodbye for us together, but I can't do that tonight, Will, because just for the last time you've cocked up. So thanks for that. Yeah, I'm a really professional with all of this. <laughs> Obviously. All right. On behalf of that guy over there, back up in the Adelaide Hills, on behalf of myself down here on the Plains, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. 